eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Friday, October seventh, twenty twenty-two. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. A lot to get into, Jay Book. We have some questions from Bucknut subscribers. We're going to get to three in particular. Um, let's start with one. They're asking you about Zach Harrison as a defensive tackle on passing downs in the in the Rushman package, um, saying he looked good last week um, as a D tackle on passing downs. What are your thoughts on that, Jay Book? I like it. I mean, I, I didn't envision Zach. Uh, playing that actual role within the team. But, hey, they may have found something there, Dave. I, I thought that Zach looked extremely well. He probably played one of his best games in a long time as a Buckeye. And it just listening to his interviews um, this week, and he seemed to enjoy it. He really liked it, and he's reaching out to Coach Johnson and asking can he get more action on the inside. So I, I think it's a good thing. If this is going to be a role to where – this right here unlocks Zach's potential and allows him to really thrive, uh, keeps him on the field. As long as he's producing, I'm all for it. So, so far, so good. I like it. Hopefully that they can keep the, the hot streak going because if they can get Zach Smith or uh, Zach Harrison playing his best football going into November day, it's going to be huge for this football team, especially the defensive line. If he can be disruptive in the middle, because now uh, he's kind of that wild card, Dave. He gives you a lot of flexibility if you're able to get some production from him from the inside. Yeah, I love it. I mean, he doesn't have to be a star. As you and I have been talking about, we talked about throughout the offseason. Like, I kept using the Steve Miller example of Steve Miller's senior year. And I thought Zach would have a bigger impact than Steve did as a senior. Everybody wrote off Steve Miller, and he had a solid senior year. That's what Zach Harrison needed to do, but maybe even a little better than that. And I think that's what he is doing. And I agree with you. I like the – the, you know, the idea of putting him at D-tackle in that Rushman package. Absolutely love it. Um, all right, let's get your thoughts on this one. Another question. This is from XBiddyX. No, we're not related. XD or XBDDX. XBDDX. We're not related. He wants to know, what is J-Book seeing from Denzel Burke with J-Book being a former defensive back himself? What are you seeing out of Denzel Burke? What's the problem? 
I just see a kid that is struggling to find the football, Dave. Um, he's he's in position a lot of times, but just getting his head around finding the ball, he gets lost in that phase of, of the cornerback technique. Um, as uh, RK said, yes, Burke has been injured throughout camp. I, I think Burke has been hurt ever since Michigan. I mean, or, you know, leading, leading to last year when he got hurt right before the Michigan game, you know, he had the shoulder and then, uh, kind of lingered on, and then he wasn't really healthy in camp. And Jim Knowles said he missed a lot of reps uh, during camp, and then he hurts his hand, his hands in his cat in a somewhat of a soft cast. So he's trying to play through that. Uh, but at the end of the day, Dave, this is big boy football. He, if he's going to be on the field, he has to be able to play at a, a at a high level. He can't be the liability on the defense to where teams are starting to pick on him. So I, I think. Um, you know, and Jay Bag said he thinks you know there's a there's an effort issue. I can I can see where you're going with that when it comes to Denzel Burke because he looks like he doesn't have an appetite to tackle. If you see him try to get in on the on the tackling, he just kind of throws a chicken wing out there and and just keeps it moving. And I think that's also him trying to protect himself. But we need to get more from Denzel. I know the coaches don't necessarily want to bag on him because. They pretty much have came out and said they want to uh, try to preserve as much confidence that he has left right now. Uh, but the good news for Ohio State, I think after this bye week, you're going to probably get Hancock back. I think you'll get Cam Brown back. So they may be at full strength at defensive back. And Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. Would this be if, if they get all their guys back? Would this be probably the first time they've had all the DBs since camp or maybe the spring? Uh, as far as the corners, everybody there? For sure. Because the, Jordan Hancock suffered what Ryan Day said was a significant injury is how he played. He didn't specify what it was. He said it was a significant injury in camp. And he's now back practicing full speed, so that's good. You're right, though. They have six scholarship corners. They haven't and they haven't even all been healthy. There's been times they've been down to three. And we have uh, Bexley on uh, YouTube saying J.K. Johnson's looking really good, getting more confident every week. I, I could not uh, – Agree more about that. J.K. Johnson looks great. We have another commenter talking about what I just said about Jordan Hancock back practicing. I asked Ryan Day about that this week. So, um, yeah, man, I love what I'm seeing out of J.K. Johnson, but we need Denzel Burke to step up. Whatever's going on with him, he needs to fix it. All right, next one here. Um, this is from Buckeye4527. You know what that, that number means. Archie Griffin and Eddie George. I like that username. Buckeye4527. He's like, Jay Book, how concerned should we be about Travion Henderson not being able to stay healthy. And then he adds, if Mayan Williams goes down, we could be in big trouble. How concerned are you about Travion seemingly not being able to stay healthy? I'll, I would be lying to say I'm not somewhat concerned, Dave. I mean, Henderson has starting to show uh, some durability issues. And you can attest to it. There were several games last year where he had to be taken out um, because of injury issues, nagging injury issues, missed you know, a couple games. Um, head injuries. You look at it this year, missing long stretches of, of early on in the season because of durability. Uh, so I am somewhat concerned when he's healthy. He's one of the best running backs in college football, but that's starting to you're starting to see somewhat of a trend to where he's having lingering uh, injuries that continue to carry over. So to me, I am mildly concerned. I feel better be when you have Mayan Williams, who's grading out as the number one running back in college football. Oh wow! If you're t yeah, so if you're if you're to believe, you know, PFF grades, they have Mayan Williams grading out 
at the highest rated number one running back in college football. So that tells you how well Mayan is playing. Uh, but I also worry about the wear and tear that he's he's taking. He's getting an absolute beating right now. You look at that Rutgers game, and until the fourth quarter, he was in there almost every snap. After a while, you have to give him a type of blow. I think this program and the running back room is better as a whole when you have that one-two punch with him and Henderson on the field. So fingers crossed for Trey. Uh, I know they're being – Cautious, you know, you have to keep in mind he came out of the walking boot. I think it was what after the Toledo game, he uh, was seen in the walking boot, and then they kind of tried to ease him back, tested it out. The foot wasn't happy to where it was at, so they decided to play it safe, keep him out. This week, you know, they're hoping to get uh, Henderson back from Michigan State. I do think playing on a grass field day up there in East Lansing may give him the opportunity to play this week. It's not going to have some so much of an impact on the feet and the joints that you would normally see on the field turf. All right. Road trip time. First road trip of the year. Buckeyes at Spartans tomorrow. Um, we're going to post our staff predictions later, but let's uh, we'll give our, our score predictions now. What's your score prediction for uh, tomorrow's game in East Lansing? Yep, just uh, just turbines in probably five minutes before the show start. I have Michigan State fifty. Oh, I'm sorry, Ohio State fifty two, <laughs> Michigan State seventeen. I just think that Ohio State uh, is going to be in a situation to where they're going to be able to throw the football all over the field. Michigan State, their pass defense is atrocious. It's one of the the worst pass defenses in all of college football. Mel Tucker is actually double dipping right here, right here as the defensive back coach the corners coach and the head coach because their their defensive um their defensive secondary has been so bad so i look for this to be another route i mean i think it's going to be what back-to-back seasons dave that ohio state has put up 50 on michigan state and they've held them to around 17 under so i, I look at this as a as an absolute blowout uh hopefully they get out of here stay healthy go into the bye week as Sue says, CJ puts up a Heisman type of uh, game here and then get them out of there, get them healthy, and get ready for the grind of the Big Ten schedule. Ready for this? So I was going to give you my prediction too. Um, wait, did I not even like put that in there? No, I don't think I did. Um, you and I have the exact same score prediction, 52-17. <laughs> Although I thought you were going to go 52-17 Spartans there for a second. Um, no, I knew, no, no. I knew what you meant. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Um, we have the exact same score prediction, 52-17. So I'm sure that's what that's not what the score will be since we both think that's what the score is going to be. But 52-17, it's funny we both have the exact same score prediction. All right, I want to get your thoughts on this. You had mentioned this. There's a story on the Athletic right now that makes what was going on at Wisconsin like it's a total mess. It wasn't just like Paul Christ like lost to Brett Bielema, you know, got embarrassed and lost three straight. Um, it's the recruiting department's a complete mess. Their 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 version of Mark Pantone who obviously wasn't on Pantone's level, left Wisconsin for Michigan State. And then Chris didn't replace him for a while. Their recruiting was in such a mess. They had like a, a, a recruit that wanted to go to Wisconsin, a linebacker who's now a freshman at Michigan, who went on a recruiting visit to Wisconsin, and they didn't even talk to him. Literally, nobody on the staff talked to him, didn't know who he was. So he ended up at Michigan. He's actually playing as a true freshman. Complete mess at Wisconsin. Your thoughts on them firing Paul Christ and this recruiting department just being in complete disarray? Wisconsin should be ashamed of themselves, Dave. As much money as they are making from the Big Ten, there should be no reason why they're that cheap 
Like we're we're in 2022 and you don't have a recruiting department. Come on. Like, I don't know if that falls on Paul or if that Paul, if that falls on the athletic department to where they're not trying to allocate any type of funds. But being a penny pincher in today's age, when you're trying to compete at a high level, is unacceptable, especially with the amount of money that they're making. I mean, I saw some Wisconsin guys on Twitter yesterday said their recruiting budget is less than UConn, less than Eastern Carolina. So if, if UConn is spending more money on recruiting uh, budget, then there's a major problem. I know a lot of people have been out there saying that Paul Chris got done wrong, but they need to modernize everything from the top down at Wisconsin, from the athletic department, how they go about their business. I think Barry Alvarez, Paul's have been on that on that athletic department for far too long to where they're operating like it's 1999 and players are still still wearing the neck rolls and, and Reebok high top pumps. Like that's kind of how they're operating right now. And they, they definitely need to get with the times. And you have to, I have to think, you know, if Jim Leonard doesn't get this job, Dave, how attractive is Wisconsin? You're you're basically starting an entire recruiting department from zero, from zero in today's age, on top of having to deal with administration that is dirt cheap. Like how good of a job is Wisconsin when you have that many roadblocks in front of you? Yeah, you know, and it's it's with all the money the Big Ten has, there's just no excuse for it. Now, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The coach at Kansas, Lance Leipold, is going to be a hot commodity, to say the least. He's got deep ties to the state of Wisconsin. He was a, the head coach at D3 Wisconsin-Whitewater, turned them into a powerhouse. They knocked Mount Union off the top of the hill as the powerhouse D3 program. Then he goes to Buffalo and does well there. And now he has Kansas undefeated and ranked. That's like almost an impossible thing to do. I guess they did it in 09, but that's got to be one of the toughest power five jobs in the country. My question for you, sir, if you're Lance Leipold, do you stay there and wait for like a premier job to open up? Or do you go to Wisconsin and feel like you can be, turn them into what they were when they were, when Barry Alvarez was there? Do you think Lance Leipold would be a good fit there? Do you think he'd want the job? I mean, that's a tough question, Dave, because I just harp back to what I just said. How good of a job is Wisconsin? Because you look at Nebraska, there's a lot of speculation out there that Nebraska is also going to go after Lance. Nebraska is going to give him every ounce of resources that they can provide in order for him to be successful. Will you be able to get that from that type of commitment from Wisconsin? I truly believe that going into this next TV deal where each team's going to be making you know, first year upwards to what, 80 to a hundred million dollars that they put a, a floor cap that says you are required to reinvest X amount of dollars into the athletic program, into your football program, or you're going to be penalized. I mean, you look at Northwestern, Northwestern's building a brand new stadium. You look at Northwestern's practice field, state of the art, beautiful. And I'm sure Wisconsin's probably not the only Big Ten school that is penny pinching when it comes to the funds. But it really upsets me to where because we're a conference that's chasing the SEC. SEC is they're bearing no expenses when it comes to recruiting, NIL, marketing their players, having the best facilities. And here we are with Wisconsin spending less money than UConn. And we're supposed to be looking at Wisconsin as maybe one of the heavy hitters 
on the Big Ten West for the conference, and they can't even spend any type of money. And like one of the posters said, where's all that money going to? Right. Um, last thing, unless we have a final question for you from one of our uh, members of our live audience, what are your thoughts on Michigan so far? Like, are they better than what you thought, about what you thought? I know they really haven't played anybody yet, and the one team they did play was Maryland, and it was they only won by seven. And the opening kickoff flies off the kid's face mask. Or that, who knows who would have won that game? What are your thoughts on Michigan so far? I mean, Michigan, they, they are what I thought they were. Going into the season, looking at that schedule, I thought Michigan will be heading into Columbus, potentially an undefeated team. Um, you, you look at their cupcakes early on, the way the schedule uh, shook out for them. I just thought that Michigan will overwhelm a lot of the lower tier Big Ten teams, and you're already seeing it. Uh, their offensive line is solid. They're relying heavily on the run game. Their defensive front is starting to come around, uh, even though uh, Njabo and Aiden Hutchinson, those type of players aren't there. They are playing a little bit better in that front seven. They're not as explosive and they're not as dangerous getting after the passer as those last guy, last year's guys. But at the same time, they are playing well. It's really hard to gauge how good Michigan is right now, considering the guys that they play. Iowa's offense is, is atrocious. I don't know what we really have out of J.J. McCarthy. He's solid, but they don't ask a lot out of him. I, I, The game that I'm looking forward to is that Penn State game. I just think that's right. that game right there is going to tell us a lot about Michigan. And if Michigan gets over that hurdle, you're probably looking at a situation, Dave, to where you're having maybe the three, four matchup in Columbus. Uh, to win the Big Ten East. And I will say this, Dave, depending on how things shake out in the SEC, I would not be surprised if there's an outside chance that you you could probably get a Michigan and an Ohio State, you know, knocking on the doors for in the, to be in the playoffs for the first time. I think it would have to take a Clemson, maybe a, a Clemson loss. But if you have a 3-4 Michigan-Ohio State matchup and it's a heck of a game in Columbus, I could see a scenario where both teams – could potentially get into the playoffs. All right, last question on the show. This is from Joe on YouTube. He asked, is Gene Smith the difference maker as to why Ohio State is so successful at recruiting? I'll just I'll, I'll turn it over to Jay Book in a sec. I'll just say this. I'm sure it helps having Gene Smith as the AD. There's no doubt about it. But the number one reason why Ohio State is great at recruiting is Mark Pantone. That's my thoughts. Yeah. What do you think, JB? I think, one, it goes hand in hand because you have to have an athletic director who is willing to provide the resources, meaning that when they go and have that conversation with Gene, they need to be able to say the SEC is spending this. We need to be able to compete with the SEC, so we need to, at minimum, match their type of recruiting budget. And when it comes to that, it's, hey, rolling out the red carpet for kids, having your coaches being able to use uh, the private jet to get in and out of places to go see a lot of the top prospects, um, having a recruiting staff in there with Mark, Mark Pintoni to make sure he's armed with all of the resources and the staff that he actually needs in order to be successful. So yes, Mark is a major key, but it also takes an athletic director who is willing to open up the checkbook to say, hey, here's all of the resources that you need. Ohio State recruiting is big business, Dave, as we all know from, from Bucknuts. The fans are way too smart. Ohio State fans are way too smart. They're way too dialed into what's happening in recruiting for Ohio State to put up a, lack, a lackluster effort. Like the fans would not stand for it. 
at all. They will let Gene know. They will let the coaches know. I mean, they, they, they'll they let the coaches know when they miss out on top prospects that Ohio State fans have been eyeing on. So if you're going to have a disarray athletic department, the Ohio State alumni, the Ohio State brass, the, the, the guys who really are calling the, calling the shots, the Schottensteins of the world, the people who are involved with recruiting, they will not allow Ohio State to not be able to be competing at a high level when it comes to recruiting. I love the shout out to Brian Schottenstein and the foundation and everybody who's helping with NIL, the, the businesses, uh, all that stuff really helps Ohio State. Staying up with the arms race and great point about how it all works together, Jay Book, with recruiting. You can't just have Mark Pantone, but have an athletic director who doesn't back him. It all has to work together like you articulated extremely well. Uh, great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. Jay Book comes strong every Friday. Really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers out there. We appreciate that very much. Um, I'll be live after the Michigan State game tomorrow. Bucknuts, what we learned live immediately following the game. Um, I will have our live podcast. So tune in for that if you can after the game tomorrow. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day. Enjoy the game tomorrow, Bucknutters. Nutters.